Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in today because, boy, do we have good news for you, especially heading into this holiday weekend. Uh, President's Day, of course, is coming up on the 19th. Uh, we're going to revisit a conversation I had with Caleb Quay, the founding member of the Elton John Band, actually the guy who discovered Elton John. Uh, Caleb uh, is, has a book about his life called A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, which explains how he came out of the whole drugs and rock and roll world when he was touring with Elton John. Hall and Oates, he had his own band called Hookfoot and was very, very successful. But on his 30th birthday, God spoke to him. And he spent the next four years on a spiritual journey that wound culminated with him uh, giving his life to Christ on Easter Sunday, 1982. He tells the whole story in the movie. The movie is going to be shown, by the way, coming up this Wednesday, February 21st, 7 p.m. at the USC School of Cinematic Arts. Um, in the vernacular of the day, we just call it the SC Film School. Legendary Ron Howard, George Lucas, all sorts of famous people have been there. And they're doing a special tribute since it's Black History Month. Uh, Caleb uh, being of African-American heritage, well, not African-American, he's English, but being of black heritage, um, it, it, the film is going to be featured and uh, it's a free event, but we have the exclusive link for the tickets. So it, when you call in to win, you can call in right now if you want them. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. You'll get two things. First of all, you will give you the code for the uh, how to get tickets to the free screening of uh, Caleb Quay's movie Louder Than Rock. And I say it's f tickets because they're asking for an RSVP at the school. So we have the link that'll get you the free tickets. You can go for free. You just have to RSVP on that link. Um, secondly, we do have a copy of Caleb's book, Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, uh, that we're asking you to uh, put your name in the hat for, and we'll give one of those away today as well. And then I'll just, just keep Caleb and his family and your prayers about this event. Every time the film screens at a major film documentary or whatever, it's winning a lot of awards, it's getting a lot of attention, but that, you know, Caleb's 75 now, right? I mean, he, he's, uh, he's been through a lot, he's seen a lot, and um, he, uh, you know, th this message, because of this documentary now, is being kind of crystallized and, and preserved for the ages, so any chance they get, this is probably some of the biggest exposure they've had in the film festival circuit, so keep that in your prayers as well. Um, so that's coming up in the second half hour of the program. First, though, I want to get into some good news about something that actually has kind of a negative connotation. A recent Gallup poll was looking at the number of Americans who thought that, who decided that they were satisfied with their lives, quote unquote. And since every year since 2001, they have actually tried to break down data to assess to which degrees Americans are feeling satisfied in their lives. It's a, it's a very noble task, and I find it very interesting, um, even peculiar, that the number of data-gathering people are trying to measure metrics that seem to be unmeasurable without taking a couple things into consideration. First and foremost, of course, your emotional health, but sexual, secondly, your spiritual well-being. I mean, if you look at the word happiness, in the old English, hap just literally meant what was going on what was taking place at that time. It was called a happening, a collection of haps, if you will, getting all together. 
So when people talk about happiness, having the same root in the English language anyway, happiness literally just means are you experiencing, you know, a feeling of goodness or euphoria or joy, whatever, in that moment. As Christians, we know that one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. Joy is different from happiness in that you can say that you are happy in the moment while the rest of your life is somewhat joyless. Somebody who's experiencing a great depression could actually, if you asked them how you feel in the day, you'd say, oh, I'm happy. Because at that moment, right at that moment, they had something good that took place or they had the right kind of food. You know, the coffee turned out just right. They could say, well, I'm happy right now. But joy is something you can experience even in the worst of times. You just got the worst news. Your house burned down in a fire. Your business is gone. Uh, you know, your spouse left you, whatever. You can still have the joy of the Lord. So when it comes to people feeling measures of satisfaction, if you're talking about happiness, well, that's going to be situational. But when you're talking about that satisfaction coming from joy, I find it very interesting. I mentioned that Gallup has been taking these measurements ever since 2001, but in all honesty, the Gallup data with the mood of the nation poll actually has been conducted since 1979, and then they've broken down that data uh, further to assess to which degree Americans are satisfied with their lives. It's amazing. Ask an American citizen if you know they're a Christian or not. You, you, you'll find out, by the way, in the answer to this question. If they say, how satisfied are you with your life? And the person responds by talking about how much money they have in the bank, how big their house is, if they have any student loan debt from college, or did their kids not turn out to be troublemakers, whatever it is. And those are all situational things. But it's interesting that when you get down to the real conversation about satisfaction, I had a, a, a recording yesterday with, uh, uh, well, a couple of days ago with Luke Smallbone is one of the producers. Luke and his brother Joel are the band for King and Country. And Joel is the kind of uh, uh, the, the, the leading man guy. He plays their dad, uh, David, in a new movie uh, called Unsung Hero about the, how the small bones came from Australia to the U.S. It's fascinating. Luke's one of the producers. But we were talking about measuring success and satisfaction and things of that nature. And he said, I kind of line up in that regard with the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, I've been in plenty and I've been in want. I've learned to be content with what I have. And I said, it's very interesting that you quoted Philippians 4.12 instead of Philippians 4.13. Because most of us in the U.S., when you talk about the satisfaction of your life, will say, I, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the idea is I get to determine what I want to do, and then Jesus comes by with his stamp of approval. But you and I both know that when it comes to satisfaction in life, we can have dreams and goals and things that go unfulfilled. Look at Hebrews 11 and the Faith Hall of Fame and how many of those people had been given a vision by God, were motivated, that spurred them on to good works, and then at the end of their lives, it never came to pass. But then you have to ask the question, well, was that a vision for what their life is going to be like here or a vision for what their life would be like in the hereafter? All of which I'm painting this kind of tapestry for us to consider this because when you look at any kind of poll with regard to satisfaction, you have to take a look at 
what basis people have for said satisfaction. Case in point, in January of 2020, the number of people who were surveyed by Gallup and said that their life was, they were very satisfied with their life, that was the distinction, was 90%. Now, 90% is a massive number, especially when you consider the timing. The timing of this report was January 2020. We know what happened two months later, worldwide pandemic. The very next year in 2021, the number of people who said they were very satisfied with their life dropped to 51%. almost dropped in half, which makes you wonder, what was their measure for satisfaction if the COVID pandemic had not hit? By 2022, the number continued to decline. And this year, the number of people who said they were satisfied with their life, somewhat or otherwise, not very, was, it's down to 31%. In the wake of the Great Recession, 46% of Americans said that they were uh, somewhat satisfied. That's the lowest point it's been. It's also 47% in 2008. Right now, the percentage of adults who said we are highly satisfied with our lives is 47%. But why? Why is that number so low? And is there a silver lining to that report? Well, the answer is why it's so low goes hand in hand with why there's a silver lining for us as Christians. We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We've got a special uh, Friday movie uh, premiere to tell you about uh, that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll be talking with Caleb Quay. Caleb, of course, the guy who uh, discovered Elton John. Uh, kind of put him on the map and had a huge meteoric rise to stardom and fame for a good decade and a half. And then on his 30th birthday, God spoke to him, the still small voice of the spirit asking him, you know, there, there's something else. And it was interesting because what uh, by the time four years later rolled around, he on Easter Sunday, 1982, gave his heart to the Lord and has spent the last 40 years uh, serving him. Coming up next Wednesday, February 21st, Caleb is going to be, uh, actually his documentary, Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, is going to be featured at the USC Film School as part of their Black History Month celebration. And there's a link that you can take advantage of that we have available to you if you call the Bottom Line Show today at 800-227-5278. The link is for a free, you have to, it's a free event, but you have to RSVP. So we have that link, super shortcut, easy to get it from us. Just give Crystal or Teresa a call at 800-227-5278. We have, these are basically available while supplies last, as they say. And uh, if you want to hear Caleb talk about the documentary yet again, uh, that's coming up uh, just in another 20 minutes or so here on the Bottom Line Show on this Good News Friday. We're taking a look right now at this survey by the Gallup company. Uh, Gallup polls have been for, actually since 1997, or excuse me, 1979. They've been doing something they call the Mood of the Nation poll. And since 2001, they've been breaking it down uh, further into what it means to be satisfied with your life. In January of 2020, the number of adults surveyed by Gallup who said they were very satisfied with life was 90%. The very next year, of course, the pandemic had set in and that number dropped to 51%. 
It held steady in 2022. Uh, for 2023, which is the numbers that we have right now, uh, that number is now down to 47%. It's literally an all-time low of people who uh, have the, the, the highest satisfaction uh, indication here in the Gallup poll. It's only the third time in 40-plus years that the number has dropped below 50%. But here's what's very interesting. I mean, the last time this happened, by the way, was also 47% in 2008 at the uh, worst part of the, um, of the gro gro Great Global Recession. 78% said they were either very or somewhat satisfied with life this year. That's a 5% drop since last year. But that very satisfied thing really weighed heavily on people. Now, it's interesting. Democrats saw a five percentage point increase in their satisfaction from last year uh, versus those who, uh, you know, report, reported in the survey the year before. Uh, Demo Republicans saw their level of satisfaction go down by 10 percent. But you know what's very interesting? With regard to people of the Christian faith, among the people who were the happiest and had the most satisfaction in their life were two different groups of people those who were married and those who attended church on a regular basis. The most satisfied people in America right now are people who were married, people who were college educated, people who made $100,000 or more for their household, not necessarily everybody's job paid over 100,000, and those who attended a religious service on a regular basis. And we're talking by regular, we're not talking about the way Lifeway has been measuring regular, which means once, what was it, 19 times a year is considered regular church attendance now by Lifeway. That's like once a month and occasional Wednesday night or special Holy Week during Easter and maybe a Christmas Eve service. But people who attend religious services weekly have the highest satisfaction of life. The college-educated part and the made $100,000 or more for their uh, family household income, you know, two incomes can get to $100,000 a lot easier nowadays than they used to be able to. But it's very, very interesting to see how a couple of things stand out. Married, regular churchgoers are among the happiest people in life. Now, I understand. I've been married. I've been divorced. I've been married again. So I noticed there was a period of about... Ooh, a decade or so when I was a single guy in my adult years, having also been a father. So I, I understand. I mean, quite frankly, if you're hearing this right now and you're saying, hey, I'm single either because of divorce or I was widowed or never married, I get it. I understand. I mean, one of the nicest, greatest people I know has been uh, single for most of her adult life after having been married. And she would take single over being in that marriage <laughs> any day. If you can find the right person, and you have a marriage that is based on biblical values, biblical principles, where God is the center of the marriage, then of course you're going to be more satisfied than someone who's involved in a marriage where there's abuse or maybe one partner's a Christian and the other one isn't. Totally understand that. But I do find it interesting that Gallup, as they started to get back into this, you know, dig a little deeper into what makes people satisfied, two of the key components for being satisfied in life were to have a good marriage and to attend worship service on a regular basis. And I've he I'm hearing this from more and more people in the, stati uh, the statistics world. Statisticians of all different stripes are saying the same thing. They're saying, look, 
regular attendance to your worship service, even if the church service isn't all that great, regular attendance is the way to go. So I encourage you, if you have uh, found yourself in a situation where you're not really uh, feeling satisfied with life, first and foremost, it has to do with faith. I mean, you're never going to get um, the kind of uh, uh, satisfaction in life anywhere else. The Apostle Paul was so right in Philippians chapter 4, where he's, remember, the whole gist of why he wrote the letter in Philippians chapter 4 was there was a squabble between a couple of women in the congregation. And if you look at all the great Bible teaching, all the great uh, theology that Paul teaches in this letter, we finally get to the first part of of chapter 4, and he says, you got to put this bickering behind you. There's got to be unity. And then, it, because in Philippi, it was a really nice area. It was kind of a place that Paul uh, was, was thinking, yeah, I want to go here because they've got resources. It's a great center for trade and industry. And, and, and quite frankly, if you're looking to establish a church base, people who would say, oh, you know, the early church was great because they lived kind of this communal lifestyle. They sold everything. They gave everything to each other. They all shared this, that, and the other thing. Well, I, I understand that. And it was nice to see that happening. And obviously... There were cases, you know, where we see that in Old and New Testament where people who were, you know, part of the people of God and were acting as one uh, were blessed and people who tried to step outside of that and it still act like they were one wound up getting all sorts of cursing. But when you, th- when you consider the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul and Peter and, and the other disciples, the apostles as they went out, and also consider the work of Jesus himself, this is something I think that it's well worth considering. And that is the fact that we don't talk a lot about it because people focus on, okay, Jesus was a carpenter and you know he grew up in a relatively obscure town and, and he didn't have a lot of stature, he didn't have a lot of fame and a lot of fortune in that moment. I mean, though his reputation spread, this is a guy who says, I'm the son of God, that he's a rabbi, he's a healer, he's a teacher. You know, there, there was something about his ministry that he accomplished in only three years before going to the cross. But people forget often that there are those little kind of uh, add-ons to the story of Jesus that are kind of the, the sub-arc, the B story, you know, the, the B role, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, in the movie industry. And that is the part of the story of Jesus where he uh, is, you, you kind of run over to the past that uh, Mary Magdalene was part of the group of women who were funding the ministry of Jesus. Remember how he would say, go into this town and do this and, you know, whatever they put in front of you, go ahead and eat it. If they give you lodging, you know, take care of that. He was very mindful of the fact that people had material needs. He was very mindful of the fact, you know, let's talk about the whole sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, where, you know, the, the disciples say, Lord, Lord, when did we, you know, see you hungry or naked or, you know, clothing? Obviously, they'd been with him and physically, literally, they're saying, wait, we never saw you undressed. We never saw you uh, say, wow, I'm hungry. I need to get some food or starving to death or anything like that. Not you. But Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. Whenever you saw somebody who was homeless and needed a place to stay, somebody who was cold, naked, they didn't have any clothing and they're out for the night and you give them your cloak. Um, some, when someone is hungry and you welcome them into your home and offer them a meal, when you offer them a cup of cold water in my name, whenever you do that for someone who needs it, then it's as if you've done it unto me. And, and so the, the 
people forget that uh, when we think about Mary, Martha and Lazarus, for example. Yeah, they were his best friends. He had his three ministry, you know, his core, if you will, uh, Peter, James, and John. But then his besties, as they'd say in the culture, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they'd hang out and they hung out at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's house because their dad had money. I mean, it was a really nice place. I mean, th that's, let, let's not forget that when someone says, you know, I've got this level of satisfaction, I've got my faith, I've got a good marriage, I've got a good job. I mean, no one is decrying anybody that, you know, but we're not talking ill-gotten gain here. We're talking about the fruits of honest labor. The idea that somebody needs to make $100,000 a year uh, to be satisfied, um, I don't make $100,000 a year. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, when you get right down to it, there are people who, you know, you say, I, that's why I said it's the household income. There's a certain dollar amount. That's kind of the amount you need to live. And if you are looking at people who maybe in your congregation who are struggling and you might think, well, wait, how are they struggling? This, that, and the other thing. Let's not forget $100,000 today doesn't buy what it bought 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Inflation over the past three years has been horrific. It's only 3.1%. But remember that's 3.1% higher than last year, which was 3.1% higher than the year before, which was 10% higher than the year. Go to the grocery store, it costs you an average of 21% more to live. So wages have been going up, but costs have been going up. You qualify for the earned income tax credit now if your household makes $64,000 a year. So that whole hundred grand isn't as big a deal as it used to be. But what is it about satisfaction that has these components of a faith component, a marital component, and a financial component? I want to talk about what the Apostle Paul says about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Glad you joined us uh, today here on the program for this conversation about contentment, about this new Gallup poll that indicates that the number of people who are satisfied with their life has dipped again. Um, but the people who have the highest level of satisfaction fall into the following categories. These are people who have good marriages, people who have an annual income uh, for the household of around $100,000, uh, people who do have uh, college education of some sort. And college educated doesn't necessarily mean college graduated, by the way, and then attend religious services on a weekly basis. That demographic of people who have any of those components together are reporting the highest levels of satisfaction in life. And for those of us when we see attending a religious service weekly, we, we talk about going to church, 
The Apostle Paul nails it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, where he says, look, because he was a Pharisee and had everything afforded to him, and then he basically got kicked out of the Pharisaical ranks to follow, be a follower of the way, he says, look, I have been the highest mountain in the lowest valley. I have been in plenty and I have been in want. And then Philippians 4, 13, he says, and I know that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can, it doesn't matter. Do I have a lot? I'm content. Do I have a little? I'm content. It's amazing how people are trying to figure out what, uh, what's the key to having a high level of satisfaction. And when they look at it, all of a sudden they think, well, um, maybe it isn't so much the fact that I have a great car. If you were involved in a marriage and it didn't work out, or maybe you're in a lousy marriage, you're not going to be satisfied. But you can be in a tough marriage and still have a high level of satisfaction if the Lord is your guide. So we'll put this article up with the information from Gallup up at thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, coming up next, we don't usually do movie talk on Mondays, but today I've got a good news story about Caleb Quay. He's my dear friend for many, many years, who back in the late 60s and early 70s, as a teenager, was able to help the music world discover a guy who's now known as Elton John. And I realize Elton John is not everybody's favorite faith component character. Uh, I don't know where he is on the faith spectrum. It doesn't seem like he's a, a born-again Christian. But Caleb wasn't either when he discovered him. But I, arguably, Elton John's music has influenced a lot of people in the world. So I hold up his artistry and say, that's well worth it. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we didn't have it? But at his 30th birthday party, Caleb Quay had a voice encounter with the Lord who spoke to him. He spent the next four years seeking him earnestly. And on Easter Sunday, 1982, he found him and has been serving him faithfully ever since. The documentary about his life is called A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll. It's going to be screening for free at USC's School of Cinema uh, coming up on Wednesday night, Feb 21st at uh, 7 p.m. And we have free passes for you if you'd like to go. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Conversation with Caleb Quay coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we've got good news to share with you. It's not Movie Monday, but I wanted to get this in your world simply because uh, we've got a holiday coming up on Monday and a screening coming up on Wednesday that you want to be in, uh, around for. Caleb Quay, of course, has been a regular here on the Bottom Line Show for many, many years. And uh, Caleb is uh, the su subject of a documentary movie called A Voice Louder Than, Ro Louder Than Rock is the name of the documentary. It's been nominated for and has won many awards at film festivals all across the country. And there's a special screening coming up this Wednesday for our Southern California listeners. This Wednesday... Uh, Feb 21 at the University of Southern California, the USC Film School. There are free tickets available for this, and I'll tell you more about this in just a moment. But first, though, I want to revisit a conversation I had with Caleb about this outstanding documentary. So let's get into this good news, free movie ticket Friday edition of The Bottom Line right now. 
Well, special guest joining me today here on the bottom line, a chance for us to catch up. I can't believe it's been nearly a year since Caleb Quay has joined me here on the bottom line show, but uh, uh, so much has been happening in his life. I, I, I felt compelled to reach out and have him back on the program here. Uh, Caleb Quay, gu guitarist extraordinaire, uh, fine musician, excellent producer, uh, side man, and a great man of God, too. We're going to get into his story a little bit and then got some exciting news to share on the documentary about his life. Caleb Quay, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. Much appreciated. Good to be back. You, you know, I, I spent a lot of time during the COVID shutdown. Lisa and I have had a lot more time to watch things like Netflix and stuff like that than we mm -hmm. would have in the past. And I'm just kind of a YouTube, you know, I don't want to say junkie. That doesn't sound right on Christian <laughs> radio. But I, I love to watch that stuff, and I know you do too. Um, mm -hmm. The Voice Louder Than Rock uh, documentary about your life has gone through so many different ups and downs and twists and turns and changes. But yeah. it seems like we are on the verge of, we're, we're this close to the finish line to getting mm -hmm. this released. Are you pleased with the current edition, the one that looks like it's gonna be going to theaters in April? Very pleased with it. Very yeah. pleased with it, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. How, what's it like to go through hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands <laughs> of hours of interviews and videos <laughs> and recording and photographs and things like that to boil it down to, I mean, you, you could do a documentary that would last a week, easily. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been, you know, there's an aspect to it that's just absolutely exhausting, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and then you just become like um, somewhat desensitized because I know the story, <clears throat> you know, so I'm watching over and over and again, you know, and then and and it's been, you know, it's been a 10 year emotional roller coaster to, to get this thing finished, you know, and get it to where it is simply because it it's really um we did it without any budget mm -hmm. uh, it was a faith project so people you know camera people technicians etc <clears throat> they all donated their time uh because they believed in the project you know and then we had people from the industry would come and they want to change things and i just had to dig my heels in and say you cannot change this story because it's mm. It's a one of a kind story. Um, obviously, it's tied in with very much with the beginnings of Elton John's career because of not only our friendship, but the role that I played mm -hmm. in the beginning. And um, and it's the only only first hand account of the beginnings of his career that's ever been made by somebody that was there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and so, may I well, I was going to yeah. say, and may I add, somebody who actually remembers what happened too, and I don't mean that sarcastically, yeah. but the fact that you know, oftentimes, let's face it, you know, you talk to someone who's been through that and lived through that, and you do talk about that in your book, A Voice Louder Than Rock, the fact that yeah. you you indulged in that too before you're, you became a Christian, and yeah. there's no question about it, but God's given you the capacity to say, hey, I know these names, I know the dates, I know I can yes. tell this story, and he's yeah. given you a story to tell on a platform to tell it that... God bless their hearts, but you know a lot of people who live through those same days um, yeah. don't have the same capacity to do. Is that right. fair to say? That's I mean, very I, true. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. true. So yeah, you know, God did an amazing thing when 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 I came to Jesus. You know, I mean, He really repaired my mind, he gave me a, a you know a new heart, new spirit, but a new mind as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, whereby I could remember all kinds of stuff, you know, and obviously, you know, gave me a great capacity for his word. And so I'm just forever thankful for that. So my perspective is very clear, 
simply not because I'm brilliant, but it's by the grace of God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And so, so I have a story as as Valerie, uh, my manager, and she's also the uh, director and producer of this movie. She says this story has something for everybody. Yes. Yes, it absolutely Which I does. I believe it does. I believe it does too. Caleb Quay is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, a Voice Louder Than Rock is his autobiography, and Louder Than Rock is the documentary. If you've not heard Caleb share his testimony here on The Bottom Line show, I'm going to ask him to do that in just a moment. But the, the 35,000 foot view is that uh, this is a, a young man who was working in the music industry, uh, working for a publishing house that was also doing some recordings. And one of the guys who was looking for some studio time and looking for a place to record was a young a musician by the name of Reg Dwight, who we now know professionally as Elton John. And, and I, I, I always get a, just a kind of goosebumps, Caleb, when I <laughs> share your story with your testimony with other people thinking, can you imagine what the world of popular music would be like if a young guy by the name of Caleb Quay had not been a little gone a little rogue and opened up the studios <laughs> and opened yeah, right. up the studios later. I said, "Sure, Reg, come on in and lay down these tracks." But then you yeah. had to go. You were again. It's, it's platform position, and you yeah. were you were Esther, you know, with his tracks. I mean, to, yeah. fill in <laughs> fill in the blanks here in terms of how Reg Dwight became Elton John because of Caleb Quay. Yeah, that's great, <laughs> Esther. I'd never. That's a good one. I'd never, <laughs> <laughs> I'd never thought of that one. That's yeah. funny. Uh-huh. That's great. But yeah, you know, I was, uh, you know, letting people come in to the studio um, to help them out because they didn't have any money. But the other side of it, it was training for me so I could I could get to learn my craft, you know, after hours. So that was a lot of fun, you know, and of course, we, you know, 16, 17 years old at the time, you know, so full of zeal and gusto to, to pursue this thing. Sure. So um, then Dick James, who was the owner of the studio, he heard, he found out I was letting people in and and they're not paying for studio time. So he hit the roof and there was this thing. He called me on the carpet and said, uh, you know, who are these people? You know, throw them all out. And I knew my job was on the line. So I said, you know what? Okay, I'll throw them out. But there's this one project that I think you, you should listen to. He said, who's this? You know, he's, I said, well, it's, it's Reg, Reg and Bernie. So, okay, let me hear the tape. So I went, took the tape in there, played it to him. And he says, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah, we'll sign them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. that's, how he, that's how he got signed, you know. Oh, and then my. I also was, and at that time, he was still Reg Dwight. And uh, I was working with him also to uh, uh, playing in this band called bluesology that he was part of at the time mm-hmm. and um we were back in a singer called long john baldry who was a famous singer in england yes and he had a big uh, he had a number one record so he was touring on that their guitar player had left and so i'm in the middle of we're working on a single producing a single for for rich and then doing these gigs so i'm back on the road in the studio on the road in the studio and it came time to release the the single uh you know to send it to manufacture but we decided we needed to change the name we figured reg dwight is just not gonna cut it you know yeah. just doesn't sound hip enough you know mm-hmm. and um we had just flown back from a, a gig in scotland in glasgow in scotland and we're at the airport when we're in the uh, airport shuttle going to go into our car after we got off the plane 
and we're talking about this name we've got to get this name because it's got to go to to you know manufacture like you know this week i mean pressure is on so he's writing down some names in a notepad and he wrote down these names and he said you know he said what do you think of this he said i like elton's name we had a saxophone player in the band his name's elton dean he said i like elton's name i like john's name that's john baldry mm -hmm. so he says what do you think of this John Elton. And I looked at it and I thought, <laughs> you know what? I think Elton John would sound better. <laughs> and the rest, um, as they say, is, is history. <laughs> I, lo I, lo I love that. Not laughing because it's funny, but it kind of is. But, but the, the idea yeah. that you in that moment and, and yeah. okay, so maybe this is a, it's a combination of Esther and the parable of the shrewd manager. I don't know, you know, but in terms <laughs> of, you're, you're, <laughs> let's put those two together and see what happens. Yeah. But, but you know, yeah. we, with the man we know today is Elton John, it's because of what Caleb Quay's recommendation was, the fact that you yeah. did, you laid the groundwork and played on those early few albums That's of right. his, yeah. and they even mm -hmm. circled back around later on, right around the time of the big Dodger Stadium gig. Caleb yeah. Quay mm -hmm. is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You can read his story in his biography called A Voice Louder Than Rock. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Elton John's guitarist and namer, uh, Caleb Quay, in just a moment <laughs> as The Bottom Line continues. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law will fight for justice on your behalf. She has to fight because no insurance company will willingly pay what you've lost after an accident. When you're in an accident, you take legal action simply to be restored to where you were prior to your injuries. Money may be needed for medical treatment, financial restitution for lost time at work, or any other thing that you've lost as a direct result of the injury. Stephanie's desire is for justice, to find what was taken from you due to your injury and have it restored for you. Stephanie will become your advocate, passionately helping you make sure that your doctor's appointments are productive, the insurance companies are being honest, and she'll make those calls that you don't have time for. Go with K. Bright's trusted personal injury attorney who will help make you whole again. Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R and get back to your life. Caleb Quay is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and if it weren't for Caleb Quay, Elton John would be John Elton. Let, just let that sink in for a moment. I mean, those are the things that as a producer, Caleb, I, I'm sure as, a, mm. as a, an artist, you know, in the studio that the people don't think about, you know, the guy who's recording and saying, hey, what, let's get the levels right. Let's get the mix right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you got too much of this and not enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many different ingredients that go into, you know, the, the success. And again, you're a teenager when all this is happening, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So your time with uh, your time with Elton, uh, we're talking late 60s, early 70s, and then there's a falling out, but then a reconnection. Help us kind of piece together the uh, Rock of the Westies and that type of era. If you oh, will. yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Well, um, let's see. Falling out. I mean, it wasn't a falling out in terms of personal, you know, an argument or anything like that. I think it was, you know, musically, we went our separate ways for a while. He, he always was determined to be a pop star. Mm -hmm. and, and I was not. I wanted to be a great musician, producer, you know, that kind of a guy. And so I put together um, a band called Hookfoot, mm -hmm. uh, which actually was the rhythm section on the Tumbleweed Connection album. Okay. And um, so it was a very influential band. We, they used to call us a musician's band. So when we played in town, the musicians would come and, and hear nice. us play. Nice. Excellent band. And so I was producing, you know, pursuing some um, other music directions, a kind of a fusion of rock, blues, and jazz kind of a mm -hmm. thing. 
and um, we we actually put out four albums on A and M. We were signed mm. to A and M label, mm -hmm. uh, Dick James in in England and A and M over here. So in a sense, we, we we kind of went our separate ways for a while, and then I moved to the states in '74. Um, the music scene had changed in England. The glitter it became like the glitter scene and everything, and I mm -hmm. wasn't interested in that. So an opportunity opened up for me to move to America because I always was influenced by American music. So I wanted to, you know, an opportunity opened up for me to move to Chicago. I thought, wow, I can get to play with some of these blues musicians and yeah. figure out how they get that blues sound, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> get to yeah. work with some of my heroes and stuff, you know, which I got to do. And um, it was in late 74, I get a phone call from Elton. And uh, he's saying, I'm, I'm changing the band. You know, up to then he'd had the, the trio. Well, I guess it was four of them because Davey was in the band. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, I'm changing the band. I said, really? He says, yeah, I want to expand the band. And I, I want, I've got Roger Pope on board. So that immediately piqued my interest because yes. Roger was my drummer in Hookfoot. And I thought, oh, okay. And he says, I want you to come and come and join the band. I said, really? Now this time, this is <laughs> winter time. You know, this is like November, December in Chicago. I'm freezing. I'm freezing cold. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, let me fly you out to Scottsdale, Arizona, so we can talk yeah. about it. I yeah. said, oh, <laughs> I hear my train coming. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I love it. So he flew me out there and we, and you know, he told me what he's playing. Well, I said, sounds great. I'm going, oh, well, yes, this is wonderful, you know. <laughs> and I said, I'll tell you this. I, I said, I'll do it on one condition. Now, you know, we had to be friends. Mm -hmm. He says, what's that? I said, is that we don't play Crocodile Rock. Because <laughs> he knew I hated that tune. I said, I'll right. do it as, as, as long as we don't have to play Crocodile Rock. Mm -hmm. He said, all right, then. Okay, okay. So we did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I joined the band and then we started rehearsals um, in Europe, in Amsterdam, in, in uh, January of 75 mm -hmm. and started touring then. So that, that led into the Rock of the Westies album and everything, you know, the Dodger Stadium concerts mm -hmm. in yeah. 75. And so it was two years of intense, you know, stadiums every night, stadium oh. gigs every night. Mm -hmm. It was off the charts. It was amazing. Yeah, I'll bet. Caleb yeah. Way is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're reliving some of his glory days with the Elton John Band and the fact that the Elton John Band wouldn't be the Elton John Band if it weren't for Caleb Quay, literally, in terms of uh, naming the group, but also naming the, the, the entertainer. And the fact that you guys were able to reconnect for a couple of you know seminal records of his in addition to the yeah. foundational stuff is just, it's really, truly amazing. And and I, we've talked about this here on the Bottom Line Show, but uh, you know there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Rocket Man. It was kind of a Elton oh, John yeah. life. And and I I know that you didn't have a lot of great things to say about that, but didn't right. wasn't there one of your songs actually found its way into that? Uh, yes, the song yeah. that we co-wrote years ago. Yeah, one of the early demos. It's in there. Yeah, yeah. Thank I'm you for all your loving. Yeah. Okay. What What was it like for you to see a movie that was just where you looked at it and said, oh, no, wait a minute. I've got to do my own, oh, which is why your documentary. You know, it was yeah. funny because, you know, at first I knew it was going to be strange. And then I yeah. thought, you know, I'm going to have to go see this because people are going to be asking me questions. 
Right. So me and my wife, we went to, <laughs> went to this movie place. We we're watching it, and my wife had to keep nudging me in the ribs, you know, because I'm making all kind of. I'm going, that's not right. That blah, 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 this didn't happen. Blah blah blah. You know, she goes shush shush shush. So there was about what ninety minutes of 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 uh, my ribs getting pounded by my wife, <laughs> <laughs> trying to calm me down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll bet. Now, at the time you were working on the documentary, and I, I would imagine yeah. that even though one of your songs shows up in this movie and you're thinking, mm -hmm. hey, this is really wonderful. I mean, to have yeah. that kind of exposure there, I, I, that probably really lit a fire under you and your team to say, no, we got to tell the story the right way. And hence the documentary uh, Louder it. Than Rock. Yeah. And, That's and, and it. That, yeah. 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 T talk, talk about the movie. What does it entail? Because I want to let bottom line listeners know how we can help you get this movie released. Yeah, the movie. Well, it's it's um, primarily it's my life story. You know, it's my it's based on my book, which is an autobiography. Um, but the thing is, my life is closely, especially in those those formative years, our teenage years, is intrinsically tied to Elton John's career. Right. You know, I was his first producer. You know, when he came into the studios to uh, to lay down some tracks, to do some demos. At that time, I'm 17 years old, and I am the A&R guy for Dick James Music. He, he, was, he was starting his own record label. And, Dick, and James, built... Dick James handled all the publishing for the Beatles, right? This exactly, is... yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a kind of, because it was, you know, known as the Beatles publishing place, you know, every songwriter, you can on the planet was knocking on that door trying to get their songs demoed you know to be published by the beatles publishing company mm -hmm. so he'd started this record label his own record label called this records and uh, originally the studio was being run by his son stephen james but then but we all knew stephen wasn't going to continue you know he was being groomed to take over the company you know after his father mm -hmm. so after the studio got up and running, and I was always in there helping Stephen on sessions and stuff and offering my services, you know, they knew I, I had some talent and I was really interested in what was going on in the studio and um, wanted to learn that stuff. So in a short period of time, after about six months of being employed there as the office boy, they handed the studio over to me. So wow. I became, <laughs> yeah, at 17 years old, I had a full-blown career. Oh my so gosh. I was listening to tapes and demos and stuff, and I was deciding who was going to be signed and who was not. Mm. It was crazy. It was I mean, it was wonderful. It was just it was. But I mean, I had a stack of tapes to listen to. I'll but bet. Reggie's Reggie's project caught my attention. You know, mm -hmm. it caught my musical ear. It was something different. There was an originality about it, and um, so that's the kind of, you know, climate that the things were in at that time. Yeah. And um, so my story, you know, in those teenage years, we met when I was 15, he was 16, mm. you know. So uh, there's a period there. He left, he formed Bluesology uh, around when I was 16. And around that time, I went and worked with Dick James Music. About a year later, he shows up at Dick James Music. I'm the A&R guy. So all that. To, <laughs> so the funny thing is, all that to say, when he shows up at the studio, he had to audition for me. Oh my! 
Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh hilarious. my goodness. That, yeah. What? It's hilarious. It, yeah, it certainly is. Caleb Quay is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. We're talking about his documentary called Louder Than Rock, which tells his whole story of meeting Elton John, working with him, auditioning him, signing him, actually giving him his stage name, touring with him, writing, recording. And then, of course, we, we'll get into this on the other side of this break. Caleb's remarkable testimony, uh, how, how he became a Christian and how he moved into full-time ministry as the Bottom Line continues. I can't say enough about Preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent and that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I realize that we have some KCBC listeners who may or may not want to make the trek down to Southern California, but we're revisiting a conversation I had with Caleb Quay. Caleb was the original guitar player for Elton John's band. Uh, he is the guy who discovered Elton John, and before he was a Christian, all this took place. Uh, we, a documentary has been made by our good friend Valerie Tucker. He's an Emmy Award-winning director and uh, television producer, and she... Uh, has put together just a phenomenal work called Louder Than Rock, which is based on his book, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll. This is how Caleb K. Boy came to Christ. And if you go to thebottomlineshow.com, or actually if you call right now, 800-227-5278, we have the link. They're showing the movie for free at the USC Film School on Wednesday, the 21st of February. But there's a free link. You can go, you just have to RSVP. So we have the link for the tickets. Give Crystal a call right now and she'll set you up. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And as a caveat, one of the winners who calls in, if you call in and you want to be uh, included on that list of uh, how to get three tickets to see the screening this coming Wednesday, Feb 21, we also do have a copy of Caleb's book, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, that uh, we are giving away today at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, I know there are people who will hear this interview and they'll say, why are you talking about Elton John? I mean, Elton John's not a Christian. You know, he's a flamboyantly gay guy. You know, he's, he's really wild. Why do you talk about him? Well, here's why I talk about him. Before he became a Christian, Caleb Quay was the guy who discovered Elton John. And when you think about popular music, Elton John is iconic in the world that we live in. Uh, Elton John songs are everywhere. There's a good possibility that even though you don't appreciate his lifestyle, like me, 
I'm not a big fan of Elton John's lifestyle. But the music is so iconic, it really has changed the world. If you think about what the world would be like if Elton John's music had ever gotten recorded, Caleb Quay was used before he became a Christian to identify that. Then after Elton's band went in a different direction, he wound up touring with Daryl Hall and John Oates for a while. But Caleb's story is so incredible. On his 30th birthday, he's sitting in a hotel near the Omni in Atlanta, right after playing a gig with Hall and Oates. They gave him a cake that was just covered in drugs. And he's sitting there, and then he hears the voice that he said was louder than rock and roll that basically said, you know, do you know who I am? And Caleb spent the next four years trying to find out who the voice belonged to. And it was in the home of Chester Thompson, the drummer for my favorite band, Genesis, and Chester's wife. They were doing some work together musically, and Caleb said he finally was motivated by Chester and Chester's wife to go to church on Easter Sunday. He went to church on the way, Jack Hayford's church, and when the altar call was given, Caleb said, I heard the voice again, and that's when I knew it was God calling my life. It's a remarkable story. He's been in ministry for 40 plus years ever since that day. 800-227-5278 gets you through to the bottom line show. We've got unlimited number of these passes as far as I know to give away, but you have to call us to get the code. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider's coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. On the other side of this break, more of my conversation with Caleb Quay about that voice that was louder than rock and roll. It's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show, the third a half hour, not the third quadrant, but the third part, the, the final long segment of the program today. And on this Good News Friday, we are revisiting a conversation that I had with Caleb Quay. Now, Caleb Quay is the founding member of the Elton John Band. As a matter of fact, Caleb tells the story about how it was he who discovered a young guy named Reginald Dwight. They were both working together as copy boys at publishing houses and aspiring musicians. And when Dick James, who had all the publishing for the Beatles, decided to open a recording studio, uh, Caleb was charged with running the studio. He's 17. And Reg had gone off on the road and was coming back and trying to make some demo tapes. And Caleb said, look, I'll tell you what, you know, if you come in here and make sure I get a free meal at your dad's restaurant or whatever every now and again, uh, you can go ahead and I'll just let you in and we can make music together. When Dick James found out that the studio was being used that way, then he was like, okay, well, we're going to shut this thing down. And Caleb said, wait, you got to listen to these tapes of this guy. And basically Elton John was born from there. Think of how the music world has changed. Well, Caleb since that all happened well caleb obviously is now as a christian back then he was not and his movie uh louder than rock is a the documentary based on his autobiography of voice louder than rock and roll uh, the movie is going to be screening this coming wednesday feb 21 at the usc film school university of southern california campus the screening is free but you have to rsvp and we have the link call us at 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll get you those free tickets to see A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, the documentary, and also get you in the drawing. We've got a copy of one of uh, Caleb's autobiographical books, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get into now part two of my conversation with rock guitarist and worship leader, Caleb Quay on today's edition of The Bottom Line. Caleb Quay is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I almost said Elton John is my guest, but uh, 
But you know what? We wouldn't be saying Elton John's name if we didn't have Caleb Quay. He's a great Christian <laughs> brother, musician, pastor, uh, and a former member of Elton's band. He's the guy who found him and signed him. And he has a documentary about his life, Caleb Quay does, called Louder Than Rock. We've got a link for the information about his book, A Voice Louder Than Rock, up at thebottomlineshow.com. Caleb, could you ever have imagined that when you were playing with Elton John, when you signed mm. this little scrawny little kid who came in and had to audition for you, um, you know, to, to the career he's got, that God would use you in such a way that he has now to be able to tell mm. this story and, and knowing that millions of people know who Elton John is, but to hear your story and to see what God has done in your life through your testimony and your ministry, it's got to be humbling and exhilarating all at the same time, I would think. It, it is. And, you know, to be honest, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've often, since becoming a Christian, I've been aware. Uh, I mean, I get tons of, you know, Facebook posts and stuff. And so I'm very aware that there's thousands of fans all over the world who love the work that I did back then and my contribution to that body of work, right. you know. And, uh, I just feel I've often I just feel this weight of responsibility to share my story because it's apparent to me that they idolize the person that I used to be mm. and they don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They need Jesus. And so this is my way of, you know, witnessing to them, uh, hopefully in a way that they might get it, that there is really a voice louder than rock and roll. Amen. I know that's a play on words, but it's mm -hmm. it's really the truth. You know, mm -hmm. the, the God who saves us is the God who speaks, spoke the world into creation. He yeah. speaks, you know, and uh, it's it's hearing that voice. You know, it's opening your heart. Didn't Jesus didn't Jesus say in Revelation four, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But he didn't say if anyone hears my knock, he <laughs> says, yes. if anyone hears my voice. Mm hmm. You know, so hopefully I can be something uh, to help get that voice of Christ, you know, saving grace into people's hearts, you know, because mm -hmm. that makes all the difference. Yeah, I am the good shepherd and my sheep yeah. know my voice. I mean, That's there are it. lots lots of shepherds in the world or, maybe, yeah. you know, detractors. And, and you heard that voice. I'm talking with Caleb Quay today here on The Bottom Line. The documentary is called Louder Than Rock. The uh, autobiography is called A Voice Louder Than Rock. And it talks about his conversion to faith in Christ after literally touring the world at the top end. Of, I mean, we're, we're talking top flight, top tier. Yeah. With the Elton John band, with Hall & Oates. I mean, let's not forget uh, mm -hmm. uh, your work yeah. with Daryl and John. As a matter of fact, I came across a clip on YouTube not too long ago. And my wife is, I go, I'm yelling through the, there's Caleb, there's Caleb. And she's like, she's, what, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it's you on the midnight special, you know, oh, out yeah, there kind yeah, of doing yeah, your thing. Yeah. And man, and I'm like, okay, if you, I think I posted it to YouTube. I'm like, dude, you know, this, this guy, this guy, you, know, you mentioned something, Caleb. And I want, I want to uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about it. But yeah, you mentioned something about how the, the, there are people in the world who are looking to guys like you who have the yeah. rock star lifestyle, they've got all of that, but what yeah. they don't, they don't need another great song. They just need Jesus. And that phrase has yeah. stuck with me since the first time you and I met because of the story mm. you told me about your conversion experience. On the other side of this break, mm. I'd love for you to share that story for people who haven't heard it because it mm. is so compelling when you think about what God let, allowed you to experience at a very young age and all the wealth yeah. and all the fame and all the everything twice mm -hmm. 
with Elton yeah. John and with Hall and Oates, and then how he spoke to you through somebody else who was living that same dream, yeah. but had a different perspective. We'll talk about yeah. that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT. Or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Special guest with me today here on The Bottom Line Show, I'm Roger Marsh, getting all excited about the documentary when we see the movies like God's Not Dead um, that's now available on DVD. Whenever we see these movies come out, and we think, wow, that's really great. It literally takes a village to get these things up and raised. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot tougher than people think. And so one project that I have thrown my full support behind is Caleb Quay's documentary, which is called Louder Than Rock. It's his testimony of discovering Elton John, being one of his first producers, guitar players, having a couple tours of duty with him, and then touring with Daryl Hall and John Oates on national television, international concert touring and then hitting the age of 30 and literally just bottoming out and hearing what he describes in his book as that voice louder than rock it started in 1978 your 30th birthday the hall and oats mm. gig in atlanta um and mm. it culminated four years later can you take us through what it was like to be at literally at the top of your game and at the bottom rung of life all at the same time oh boy boy, <laughs> <laughs> boy you're good man i'm thinking man how do i follow this <laughs> well well, because let's face it, we're either friends of God or enemies of God. Yeah. And, and even when we're in the enemies of God thing, it doesn't matter how high up we get in the world status, yeah. we are completely bottom shelf until Jesus lifts That's us right. up. So, That's I mean, right. I, I just, I, I love the irony, of the juxtaposition yeah. of you coming off a concert, you know, where you just played for 20,000 people, yeah. you're, you're high career-wise and yeah. otherwise, and yeah. God gets right through to you. Ta tell us that story. If you yeah. Know. For me, it was, you know, it was a process, but I remember um, coming off stage at some of those gigs, you know, um, you know, the crowd screaming and you've done a bunch of encores and everything and everybody's saying that you've made it, you know, but I just had this incredible sense of emptiness inside and I didn't feel like I'd made anything. And I used to think, I used to say to myself, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more, you know, and, uh, and of course at that time, um, in 1978 and then into the 80s, I'm heavy into drugs and everything. And it was during that period of time, I, I met a guy, Chester Thompson, who was the drummer with uh, Genesis and before that with Weather Report, very influential, influential musician. And I'd met him and, it, and he had invited me to come and join this jazz group that he, he was putting together. I said, great, I'd love to play with this guy. So I joined, you know, joined it. We were rehearsing at his house. He had a little studio at his house. And uh, he told me that him and his wife were Christians. And I thought, okay, well, that's good for you, you know. 
-hmm. And um, it, they didn't preach to me or anything. And, and if you know, to know Chester, he's a very quiet guy, quiet personality, very gracious guy. But there was something about him that was different. He wasn't like any of the other musicians that I knew. And we were the same age. We were in the same line of work, but he wasn't going crazy like everybody else. And I, I used to think to myself, this guy and his wife, they've got something. Whatever it is, I want it. I never said that to him. That's what I used to think, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, after a period of time, uh, we would we would rehearse at his, his uh, studio and then go home, you know, come back, you know. We were doing a week's rehearsal, for getting ready for this gig. <laughs> and after one of the rehearsals, uh, his wife said, would you like to stay for dinner? Okay, great. So sit down at dinner and she made this and we joke about it to this day, nearly 40 years ago now, the, uh, this thing called African stew that she made. We call it the anointed African stew. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd serve me this African stew, you know, and we'd start eating, you know, and, and as soon as I, you know, scarfed down this African stew, the minute I put my knife and fork down, she would turn to me and she would say, well, Caleb, why don't you go ahead and tell us just exactly what is it that you do believe? I thought, okay, logical question. So I would launch off into this like 40 minute monologue of complete rubbish. You know, it began <laughs> somewhere along Star Trek and, you know, oh, went into astrology and all this mystical stuff, you know. And Chester would sat across the table in his T-shirt with his arms folded, very quiet, very patient. And they basically waited till I ran out of gas. <laughs> and then Chester would just say to me, look me straight in the face. He'd say, yeah, man, I know what you mean, man. You just need Jesus. Hmm. And, that, and, and when he said that inside, I was like boiling mad at this guy. I'm thinking... I've been, you know, doing my best to explain myself and that's all you can come out with, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't say that yeah, to him, but yeah. I was like upset inside, you know. So I thought, okay, well, it's time to go home now. And I thought, I'm going to go home and get some sleep and come back to the rehearsal the next day. Right. I go home, I lay on the bed, uh, there's no sleep happening whatsoever. All I've got rumbling around inside of me is you just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. It was like ball bearings rattling around in a tin can, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't get any sleep, you know? Go back to the studio and the same thing happens again. We rehearse all day. We have the African stew. We have the conversation. <laughs> it, what's that Bill Murray film? Um, Groundhog oh, Day. Groundhog Day. Yes, yes. Same thing happened for a week. At the end of that week, it's uh, Sunday morning. It's Easter Day, 1982. I've had no sleep for a week, been rehearsing my face off, and all I can hear is, you just need Jesus. Hmm. Chester calls me up and he says, what are you doing today? I said, nothing much. I said, uh, he said, why don't you come to church with me and, me and my wife today? And we're on the phone, you know, and it was like I'm on the phone. And when he said that, it was like the whole world stopped. And I thought to myself, you know, I've tried everything else. Why not church? I said, okay, sure. I'll come to church with you. And I could hear him on the other end of the phone going, yes, he's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I love Even it. Even his wife, a high five or whatever, mm -hmm. you know.
Mm-hmm. So they came and picked me up. They took me to the church, which was Church on the Way in Van Nuys mm-hmm. back in those days. Pastor Jack Hayford. Yeah. And uh, I sat in the service. Cut a long story short, they started the worship time. I didn't know anything what they were doing. They started to sing this very simple song, which we actually have in the movie. Uh, it's called In My Life, Lord, Be Glorified, Be mm-hmm. Glorified Today. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very simple chorus, just keeps repeating over and over again. And as they're singing that song, the peace of God flooded my heart. And I hear that same voice that I heard in the hotel room four years previous that I promised myself one day I'd find out who that voice belongs to. Mm -hmm. Speaks to me right there in the middle of that song and says, Caleb, it's time for you to come home to me today because I have a brand new life for you. Mm. Then the light bulb went on and I knew that that voice was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, the pastor came out and it was funny. I mean, Pastor Jack came out. It was Easter day. He's, you know, going through his uh, Easter sermon. And to me, it was like, who is this guy in a brown suit telling everybody my story? <laughs> See, we wow. forget that Easter is everybody's story. Right, right. Right. Oh, love and it. to me, it was like, who is this guy? He seems to know everything about me telling everybody my story, what's going mm-hmm. on here. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when he just gave an invitation, he says, anybody here would like to receive Jesus, you know, as their Lord and Savior. I'm up on my feet, my hands in the air, and I'm running to the front for prayer. I love it. And that's when I said yes to Jesus. And that, that's it. how it happened. It's beautiful. Caleb Quay is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, sharing the story of his testimony, his conversion, not from the music world necessarily, but from the life of sin that we all have to be delivered from mm-hmm. by our Lord and Savior Jesus and, mm-hmm. and the musical talents that continue to flow through, through him and his connection to Elton John. The uh, If you saw Rocket Man, don't believe any of it. It's a fantastical, <laughs> I mean, it's a theatrical uh, extravaganza, but it's nothing like anything that Ca- Caleb Quay has the bruised ribs to prove that, yeah. uh, that that came that that that, that uh, that's a reference to earlier in our conversation which you could hear yeah. at the bottom line show.com um he has a documentary it's called louder than rock and uh that story that you just heard is a part of his testimony it's a part of this documentary that talks about how this teenager went from discovering elton john and literally i mean changing the world of popular music because of the influence of this guy to now changing the, uh, the, the the landscape for so many people who have been enemies of God, who are now friends of God because of Caleb using his musical gifts and pastoral ministry for these past four decades. Caleb, how do we find you online? I know you're still, pl- are you still playing with the faculty and booking dates and doing the, the things there that you is do? A, yeah, there's a faculty thing, but actually these days, mostly Facebook. Okay, just go yeah. online. Go to Facebook.com, look for Caleb Quay, it's yep, Q-U-A-Y-E, yep. and mm-hmm. become his friend. He's very interactive on social media, and yep. uh, you'll, you'll be able to keep up with him. As a matter of fact, pastors who are listening right now, uh, I can think of no better way to introduce your congregation to this remarkable man and his great testimony than to have him come out, have him bring his guitar, maybe bring a couple of friends if you've got the budget for it, and let him sing and share and perform and, uh, well, mostly rock and roll. Uh, you're, <laughs> I mean, I, not that you aren't a great singer, but I know that your forte is really more of the instrumental stuff these days. Uh-huh. But, uh, um, and I love that fact. Also, you're a, you're, you are a, a worshiper at a church in Pomona, too. Are you still on staff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, in what capacity and where can we find you? I'm like the grandpa of the worship team. <laughs> Every worship team has one and needs one. That's for sure. Yeah. 
That's true. But what, where are you yeah. fellowshipping these days? It's a, uh, it's a church called New Life Pomona. Okay. All right. And yep. you can find them online as well, too. And you can check in with Caleb Quay and you can actually see the man in action. And as you are praising God and thanking him for your eternal salvation, you can take a look at how marvelous God is to elevate a young lad uh, to the heights that he did and then bring him back down to where he needed to be face to face with his sin and then elevate mm-hmm. him into even greater heights in God's eternal glory. And you can read Amen. about Caleb Clay's story in the book of Voice Louder Than Rock, which we have up at thebottomlineshow.com. Caleb, uh, our time always mm-hmm. goes by so quickly, but uh, thank you. I, I'm, my life is so much better having gotten to know you, and I pray for great things for your mu- ministry and your family, and thanks for being with us today. Thank You're you so much, line. Roger. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And that's how we concluded my conversation with Caleb Quay here on The Bottom Line Show. Caleb, of course, a guitar player, uh, now performs with a band called The Faculty. He's involved in ministry here in the Southland, has been for 40 plus years. And for, but those first 15 or so years in the music industry, uh, he was driven by sex and drugs and rock and roll, just like a lot of other people were. And because he's the guy who got Elton John uh, launched into prominence, that kind of came with a certain level of celebrity with the band Hookfoot and others. Hollow Oates, to name a few. Uh, the movie about his life is based on the book about his life. The book is called A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll. We do have a copy that we're giving away today. Everybody who calls in at 800-227-5278 will be given the link for the RSVP for the free screening of the documentary Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, which will be showing at the on the campus of the University of Southern California, the legendary USC Film School, coming up on Wednesday, October the... Uh, tw- October, that's when his birthday is. February the 21st. That's coming at this Wednesday. We've got the free ticket screenings for you. Also, everybody who does call in then will will throw their name into a hat, and there's going to be one copy of uh, his book, of, El- of Elton's book, of Caleb's book, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, that we'll be giving away today here to commemorate Good News Friday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about pre-born is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers, and he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to pre-born clinics and they don't hear the the propaganda from the abortion industry that says your two choices are either abortion or misery, there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com, click on the Preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology and we're saving lives and saving babies through Preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner today. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and so glad that you have tuned in today. We've been revisiting a conversation I had with musician and worship leader Caleb Quay. Uh, Caleb is the uh, author of an autobiographical book called 
uh, Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, tells the story about how he discovered Elton John, uh, helped put Hall and Oates on the map, uh, had his own band called Hookfoot, but then on his 30th birthday, God spoke to him and said, I, I want you to give this up. I mean, I, I want you to find something deeper in life. And he didn't know who the voice was. And so he spent the next four years on a journey to uh, discover who the voice was. And uh, on Easter Sunday, 1982, thanks to an invitation from Chester Thompson from the group Genesis, uh, Caleb went to church on the way, Pastor Jack Hayford's church, heard the gospel proclaimed, went forward, and what led him forward was that voice. The voice that was louder than rock and roll, it was the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. He gave his life to the Lord on Easter Sunday, 1982, and has been serving him faithfully even to this day. 800-227-5278 if you're looking for free tickets to the screening of this documentary at the USC Film School coming up this Wednesday, February 21st. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. What is it, the old expression, God loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way? Caleb Quay had fame, success, everything a man could want on his 30th birthday felt like he had nothing. But that's when God gave him everything. And that was the invitation to follow him. Would that we would do the same. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.